welcome to Click Click Bang Bang, a photography podcast. We are at episode six, and this episode is called The Tools of the Trade. Oh yeah, Tools of the Trade. Hey, Mez, did you see that story this week about that dude who was uh, shooting at the impeachment hearings with a 4x5 camera? Good old Bernie. David Burnett. David Burnett. What a champ. <laughs> I did. I saw it. It came up in my feed because I follow his, um, uh, what do you call it, agency? His thing. Contact Press. Hilarious. And I was like, uh, what? You were. And it kind of got us thinking about, you know, what's the what's the best gear to use in particular situations? So we're going to... Oh, my God. Are we going to do film versus digital? No, are we? No! We're not. Fuck we're just joking. Cats. We're not doing that. We're doing that. That's we've, not our vibe. We've heard that shit. We're going to do something else. So let's, let's do it right let's now. Let's get into it. We saw, uh, you know, David Burnett, contact press photographer. I, I believe so. He went yeah. to contact press. So this guy rocks up to the uh, Donald Trump impeachment hearings in Washington, At the Capitol. I believe. At the Capitol. With a big medium format camera. Yeah. And uh, he kind of became the focus of attention for the, for the you know, photographic media that he was did. there. Everyone was crowding around I and think taking like his photos. Yes, everyone was kind of forgot why they were there. Like, oh, hang on a like, second. Oh, that's doing? why we're here. Yeah. Very But, funny. like, let's give us some background here for some people out there who don't have any fucking clue what we're talking about. <laughs> Four by five, large phone. What are you talking about, Mez right. and Toby? That's your thing. Is this my so, forte? <laughs> so look, here we go. Well, okay, so a four by five like camera is basically that the film. It's a film camera. It's very gigantic. It has a bellows, a lens on the front, a ground glass screen on the back where you shove a film holder. That is the size of four by five. Four by five inch. Piece of film, bloody humongous, mate. Very big, very detailed. Great detail. Yeah. And so he, this is what, you know, everyone shot back in the, you know, olden days. Back in the days when they had their old little yes, they and all did. that, that yes. kind of stuff. This is what they were shooting. Yeah. So just tell us from a, from a practical point of view... When you're shooting with a camera like that, mm. what's the what's the process? How long does it take to take a frame, and how long does it take to take, say, eight frames or five frames or however many frames? Let's just, you know, let's we're at a news event here that yes. we're talking about. This is why it was so ballsy. That's why it was such a you know Surprise. unusual thing to see. I loved it, and and I will go into why I think he did it later because yeah. I've got a whole theory. But tell us how first how okay. how, how, how he would be who would have been working. Like I said, you've got lens bellows, ground glass screen on the back, just freaking everyone Google image search for Y5 camera, you'll get what I'm saying, okay? Yeah. Within the, the ground glass at the back, so it's like this little thing you pull forward and you shove a film holder in there. So a film holder, a 4x5 film holder, is like a plastic sort of double-sided thick envelope that's the best way to describe it Mm -hmm. uh, where you in the dark you load the film so you can only load two shots per film holder okay so in the dark you slide one side open you put the film in a certain way and you slide it back down so the light doesn't get in you flip it over you do it again so you have two shots per Film holder. So it's like a double-sided print, basically. Like a, well, no, because it's two separate pieces of film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In, so, the, in the one yes, holder, though. In the one holder, yeah. yeah. So you, so what he probably would have done, and I saw it on the Insta there, he would have gotten like a couple of film holders because you don't want to be like, number one, like you need to do this in the dark. You need to load the film in the dark. So it's not like <laughs> he can. quickly duck off to the loo and roll, you know, duck off, duck off turn to the, the lights loo. off, do yeah, get, one. Or like get a dark bag and, no, he's not doing that. <laughs> so he's probably like preloaded a certain amount of film holders, maybe like 10. Right. 
so let's say I think I saw them like it was like about eight or ten he had. So that's like twenty shots. So he's only got twenty shots until he has a moment where he can go somewhere to you know r- r- put more filming yeah, yeah, in yeah. the dark. So he's got twenty shots. So how? That's it. So if you rocking up to the impeachment process, Tobes, and you got your camera <laughs> that you're using, your digital camera, how long you take? Think it'd take you to take twenty shots. <laughs> In one burst. One burst. A second. <laughs> a second. That's it. There's your yeah. 20 shots, right? Yeah. So he's got to really think pick and his moments. plan and really pick his moments. And, look, it's a cumbersome camera. It's hev- They're heavy and they're really big. Depending on which type of 4x5 camera you're using, he's using, I can't remember the brand, but it's like a, a press one. It's a little smaller, but still, yeah. compared to you know modern It'll day be. DSLRs, yeah, yeah. it's freaking gigantic, yeah. right? And they focus in a certain way as well. And you've got to get the bellows right. And if you know you have to zoom in, quote unquote, like the be- make the bellows longer than what the focal length is, you have to do the shine and flug, freaking mathematical equation <laughs> to get the freaking exposure correct. Oh my God. Legit. It's and so hard. So hard, man. Oh my God. Uh, so yeah, yeah, so that's what he was using. Amazing. And look, it would have taken him, he would have been very precise and e- exceptionally aware of what was going on and picking his moments mm. very, mm. you know, particularly because it is a slow process. But, you know, in terms like you can get the same kinds of shutter speeds and all that, like that's not really a problem. Yeah. Um, I don't think he used flash or anything like that. And I don't even think you're allowed to use flash. No, it would have been a very during, bright room anyway. No, yeah, there it would, would have been, been very TV bright room. lights everywhere. All yes, exactly. So that would have been fine. He would have had enough light. But yes, it would have been, he just would have had to slow his whole process down and really think about it a lot more. And then in the break, duck off to the loo and uh, do <laughs> some more film and, you know, do, do some more film holders. Amazing. Because I've got a dark bag. It's downstairs. I should have brought it up. It's basically a dark bag is like, uh, it's like a t-shirt with no, a black jumper with no bottom. So it's, so it's got like a zip. It's got these two zips. It's like a double bagged situation. So yeah. it really locks out the light. And you open the two zips on the bottom. You shove all your shit in that you need. You zip it up and then you put these really tight, arms up your <laughs> like your your arms through the jumper oh and they're so tight that it cuts off your circulation <laughs> like at the top. Chem suit yeah it is because it can't let light in and then you just got to feel your way to like do it properly and he could un- he could unload the film put it in a dark box a film box and then load more yeah so yeah. he would have been doing that it's interesting though isn't it because you know as you said back in the day photojournalists would have been That's doing what that it was. all the time. But I guess, you know, media changes. We're now in a world of, of instant media in terms of, you know, things being online and newspapers are no longer, you know, really a thing anymore. So yeah. back in the day when, when photojournalists were, were shooting on film, they had the time between, you know, the story happening and the newspaper being printed to develop and send in their shots. That's no longer the case no. anymore. So I think a lot of the photojournalists that were at the impeachment process yeah. and saw old Bernie turn up yeah. probably looked at him and thought, well, some of them probably thought, what the hell is that? Yeah. They've probably never even seen this yeah. kind of camera before. Yeah. And they would have thought, how the hell are you going to do this job? Because let's face it, digital photography has made the whole process a lot easier than than it used to be, which is great in some ways because it's it's getting more people into the the craft and all all the rest of it. Yes. But for some people, you know, the film format is still king and all the rest of it. But I guess what we're going to talk about is, you know, the situation you're in and and neither of us is a, a, you know, advocate for film or an advocate for digital. 
no. whatever. It doesn't fucking matter what you use. As long yeah. as you're out there doing shit, then great, go for your life. Totally. As long as you're creating art that's really worthy yeah. of, you know, consideration. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, I can't wait to see the results of what, I of know. what Burnett shot. And, but isn't that cool, though? Because now we're like, oh, my God, we can't yeah. wait. In a world where our attention is, is fleeting, exactly. he is capturing our attention. It's true. And I think you see a lot of times when you do see a medium format photo, it really stands out. I remember a guy whose name I yeah. forget now, he took a, 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 a medium format portrait recently of, of Greta Thunberg. The, medium or large? Oh, or you're not sure? Maybe it was large. Maybe it was large. Yeah, okay. But it looked... Was he doing these ones? Yeah. 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 I just mimicked like putting a sheet over your yeah, head. Yeah, <laughs> it looked amazing. Yeah, dude. It looked like an image from the 1800s. 100%. But... Immensely cool. Yes, immensely cool. But he, here's my question for you. Why do you think that David Burnett did that? Why did he bring the 4x5 large format old press camera to the MP? Why did he do it? Why? 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 Sounds like the introduction to a joke. No. I don't know, man. Why, why do you did reckon? <laughs> no, I know. Why do you think he did it? Um, I don't know. I don't know enough about the guy, to be honest. But Here's may- what I reckon. But, but maybe, <laughs> maybe he prefers to shoot that way or maybe he wanted to be seen. Nah, you know what I reckon? Tell me. And I don't know. I'm not him. And I don't know if he's said yeah. why he's done it. Okay. I, we could look that up. Because he does shoot. He's a hybrid shooter. He shoots Fuji as well. I'm pretty sure he's a yeah. digital shooter as well. I just thought, you know what? I thought it was such a moment where he was like, this is uh, so iconic and historic, this moment, that it must be captured on film. Yeah, right. And and, and the permanency of film, you, you know, you can't lie, whether, whether you like the medium or don't like the medium or whatever the conversation is, the permanency of recording that light onto that piece of freaking plastic and gelatin yep. is like, I've got you and this <laughs> cannot be deleted and this moment will not be deleted and you cannot lie and you cannot cheat the American people, I'm getting you on the permanent record. That's kind of, I thought it was a very political statement. I love it. I got that he was like, it was this full protest moment from him where he was like, I got you, motherfuckers. I see you. Yeah. And this is permanent record. Yeah. Because yeah. there is like, there is a total tangibility to it and such a permanency to film. You can't there delete is. it. I there mean, is. you can go destroy it, obviously. But I think, and you know, so few people print out their photos these days as well. That's oh the other God, thing. Oh my God, no like, one. How many photos have you got in your camera roll on your phones right now that 12, will, will never <laughs> become a physical yes. thing? Oh my God, totally. You know, which is which is ridiculous. That's so true. Correct. But I guess the whole point is, is like, okay, he's making a statement with that 100%. And we are, or you and me especially, we're on 10 Talks. I want to see these photos yeah. straight up. You Big know time. what I mean? Big yeah. time. What you shoot and how you shoot uh, may not apply to how I shoot and what I shoot. So I might use different tools to you because we shoot in a differently complete way. Yeah. And I think what was unique about that is is the fact that it was a news event and most photojournalists these days are are not using film unless they have more time or they're yeah, doing a, doing a, a long form a, story exactly a documentary piece or whatever it might be then yeah. they might choose that as their you know medium of choice yeah it all depends on the look that they're going for really yeah totally but there is an awful lot you can do with 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 digital as well obviously but um oh god yeah but i think digital speed that's you know it's all about 
yeah. quickness and all that. Yes, this yes, totally. And we see people now, um, like professional photographers, using phones for you know for, oh my God, for particular stuff. events, or they might you know every news event that we see now, whether it's bushfires or you know terror attack or whatever it might be, there's phone footage everywhere, whether it's video or stills or whatever. Totally. You know, yeah. Hashtag New South Wales bushfires is popping up all over yeah, Twitter yeah. and all these other places. Yeah, and, and even some uh, you know professional photojournalists are using the phone in a lot of situations instead of the DSLR or, or the film camera um, because it provides a level of access that a camera cannot. Some people, if you're going into a situation, and I know that that Andrew Quiltley, he shoots like this sometimes, he lives in Kabul in Afghanistan, and in a certain situation it may be inappropriate for him to go into a, a, you know, a situation where he's got a humongous DSLR. It might, be, might take people back a little bit and he might not have the level of access that he could have if he just went in with his phone. Yeah. And so a lot of a lot of stuff he just shoots on his phone. Yeah. Like, you know, you go to his feed and check it out, but and that provides a level of access that a gigantic DSLR yeah. could not because Absolutely. that is like that's very um, guerrilla style almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is almost guerrilla style, mm. but also it's like that's intimidating. Yeah. Having a big camera in your face is intimidating. Yeah, of course. So, Tobes, you shoot 100% digital, correct? I do now, yeah. Yeah, you do yep. now. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I'm I'm very different. I'm sort of a hybrid shooter. I shoot a lot of film and a lot of digital. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about like our pros and cons. Well, I started uh, photography on a film camera. Yeah. As, you know, most people of our generation did because there was uh, no our such... Our generation? Was, sorry, my generation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I learned on film. Yeah. Um, purely, well, A, because there were very few digital cameras around when I started shooting and those that were around were had tiny sensors, like two, three megapixels. Yeah. It was kind of like, mm, yeah, whatever. It was a bit of a fad kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I remember like one of the first digital cameras was used at like the 2000 Olympics and it was like gigantic. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I kind of started on... Uh, film, but I never learned the full film craft. I never learned how to develop. Right. Still, still wouldn't have a clue of how to develop a, a, a film. Okay. So switched to digital as soon as it pretty much came out, mm-hmm. and have been shooting on digital ever since. And yeah. I love digital because it's what I know best. Sure. But I treat the the post production of my images probably very much in the same way that a film photographer would. Like I take great care with with the way I produce my images right and I, and that starts from the actual taking of the photograph to mm-hmm. the post-processing I'm not I'm not you know gonna just go out there and go click 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 oh that'll do I'll fix it in post yeah exactly I yeah. still I still very consciously think about what I'm shooting at any, yeah. any given time sure and I think that's important for people to to remember that because there is this this kind of um it's not a myth it's probably true where a lot of digital photographers just go out and just go Bang, 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 oh, shoot 1,000 frames and 100%. pick, you know, the one lucky one in amongst that 50-frame yeah. you know, burst that, yeah. that works. Yeah. So I there's act- not a huge amount of skill involved in that. Sure. Really? I completely um, agree. Now, you see that a lot in sports photography, but there are... But that kind of makes sense, though, come on. It does, and there are there is a certain skill to recognising when that moment is going to Sh- occur. Oh, yes, sure. So you know, all right, I need to do a burst here because yep. he's about to jump and grab that He's ball about to or, head that... That yeah. soccer ball. So there's an enormous amount of skill in, in sports photography. So, I'm, you know, I'm yeah. not, certainly not bagging those guys. No, by, no, by oh my God, 100%. We love our sport photographers. Yeah, yeah. We wish. But there are, there's, the, you know, there are times where I've done it myself where I may have overexposed or underexposed something and I've, you know, I've gone, oh, 
buggy and I have to fix that up. But I've learned the lesson and the next time I've gone yeah. to shoot something similar, I've made sure that I've done it done yeah. it correctly. So I like digital for the fact that nothing is wasted, I guess. It's cheaper, obviously, yeah. than it's very much buying cheaper. films and rolls and rolls of films. It's probably more sustainable from an environmental perspective. But um but, well, I don't know. Yeah. You'd be looking at their like copper versus silver. I don't know. Oh yeah, I guess. But um, but you know, I remember the days where I used to go on holiday and I'd buy you know ten rolls of thirty six frame mm-hmm. you know film and yeah. have to get it all developed. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, out of those you know hundreds of frames, there would probably be you know thirty to forty percent of it was utterly useless because I couldn't see what I was doing. Or, yeah, yeah. You know, whatever. That's so. funny because I like to. I feel like the opposite. But then in <laughs> saying that, like, because I I professionally trained on film. Yeah. And the mantra was always like you got to get it right in camera because it's film and you got like you got to get it right like there's no freaking take two here like you got to be really you know it's specific and really on target with what you're doing and i always find being a digital shooter and a film shooter that my photos are always better on film yeah and i find that my hit rate is is so much better like if i've got a roll of 36 it's usually like 90 percent of like stunners whereas if i shot shot 36 Digital frames in sequence, not for shit. But so much of that is psychological. Of course if it you is. Think about it. Because you're like, dude, this is like a dollar every time I take the photo. <laughs> exactly. And I've only got a f- And you're I've way only got more f- yes. you're way more on when you're shooting film. Because yeah. you know yep. I've got to get this right. I remember I was in Iceland many years ago. Oh yeah. And I took my old I, f- I found my first SLR. Camera, like your film camera? My first film SLR, yeah. which I bought in 1991, I think, or something like that. It's an old Canon. Great and year thought, for music, by the I- way, 1991. <laughs> Great year. And what happened? And it was great. Like, I got some really nice shots. That's and, so cool. Um, but I remember doing it and not being terrified, but being so conscious of yeah. what I was doing and just thinking, oh, God, I hope this is not wasted. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And even though I knew I'd done it right, yeah. I still had that of course. fear in my head of, oh, what if it doesn't turn out? What yeah, turn of course. Out? 100%. I think that was only natural. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I always feel like film slows me down, yeah. which can also be, like, non-beneficial, depending on what you're shooting. Yeah. Um, slows me down, makes me think way more. And, and, yeah, I just think about my surroundings more. I think about my composition more. I think about my settings more, what the lights do. I don't know. I just feel like I think more because I'm not going and chimping yeah, and then yeah. looking at it. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, you know what I mean? But there's so many situations where I would never shoot film. Oh, yeah. Like commercially, if I'm, you know, doing it, like I just did a shoot for a physio on the weekend and there's like no way I would have shot that on film because number one, they need it quick. And yeah, number two, I'm going into this situation where the light was absolute balls and it's like mixed lighting, dark, and I'm using flash. So I'm going to, I've got to light up with flash and I want to see immediately what's my flash doing? Where do I have to move the light? Yeah. You know, and the way you got to, you can get around that with film is you can chuck a Polaroid back on there and, and do that way. But Polaroid's freaking expensive now, man. Yeah, it's it like is. freaking $30 for 10 shots. So who's going to do that? Yeah, exactly. So obviously, like tools of the trade, I look at the situation I'm shooting and go, okay, what am I going to shoot, film or digital? What's going to work best for me? Yeah. And I think that's what everyone should be doing. I feel like this whole, like, really, it's like a total bullshit argument about what's better film and digital I'm sorry like I'm so freaking over it like can we all just like can we all just like officially get the fuck over this now I think that's true of all of those battles you know Nikon versus Canon and <laughs> this versus that it's like oh, it yeah. just doesn't matter like Lightroom versus Photoshop <laughs> uh, it's the same thing <laughs> like yeah. whatever it's like oh, no totally oh, if, if, if something me. works for you yeah sweet 
I think you told one when we first started doing this, you told me this great quote, and I've never forgotten it. And it was all the gear and no idea. <laughs> and I loved it. I've never heard of that. And it's like I a cannot, gear war thing. I like, cannot ah. believe you never heard that. I never it's... heard that. And I kind of, when I hear that, I think about the same people who are kind of like all the gear and no idea, those same douchebags who are like, Canon Nikon. And why are you still yeah. shooting film? What is it like the 1950s? <laughs> I don't know why I sounded like I was from Western Sydney. But you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, just, it's just total balls. Whatever total works nobs. for you is what's going to work for you. Exactly. exactly. 100%. And, you know, what was working for David Burnett at the impeachment trial was his 4 by 5 babe. Yeah. And, and, and ul- it got people talking. It did. And ultimately, it's probably going to work for all of us because the results are going to be phenomenal. I'm I sure. know. I can't wait. Yeah, it's going to oh be God, great. I did you like an update about that. <laughs> but, I mean, who did that you know out there at the top of their game is still shooting film? Well, one of my... Um, kind of heroes, I guess, as you know, is is a uh, an old fellow called Don McCullen. Good old Donny boy, who is a, a former um, war photographer, I guess you would call him. Yeah, um, Vietnam. Yeah, did a lot of work in Vietnam uh, during the war there in the in the sixties and seventies, and primarily for uh, the Times, I think, in in the UK, but also for Life Magazine and various oh. various other places. Mm-hmm. He's got some iconic images of. Of the conflict there and and almost got himself killed a number of times. I remember going to an exhibition of his work in London and he had a one of his old camera bodies there yeah. which had a freaking bullet hole in it. Oh, my God. And he'd God. been wearing this camera when he was running through a, through a firefight. Shit. And got hit and thought he'd been shot, but his, it was it's actually his camera got shot and had it not been for his camera, he would. Oh my God. He probably would have been dead. And so. to be honest, like if it was just, a digital plastic, digital, like carbon, <laughs> yeah. was it carbon fiber SLR? Maybe not. Maybe he would be dead. Oh, it was a crusty old Nikon, I think. Yeah, but, um, a metal block. Yeah, amazing. And he he actually put that camera on the front of his book. Which that is, is amazing. Which is just a crazy story. But the exhibition was, was phenomenal. And obviously back in those days there was no digital, so he was shooting film. But at the, off the, at the end of his kind of news career, let's call it, mm. he became very... Very disillusioned with the world, and you know, as a lot of oh. as a lot of conflict photographers do. Yeah, um, I guess you could call it a form of PTSD in a way, because some maybe. of the stuff that he'd seen would have been absolutely horrific, horrific. and yeah. he'd spent decades doing it. Mm. He kind of became a bit of not a recluse, but he kind of squirreled himself away into the um, into the countryside in in England, mm. and has transformed himself to into a magnificent landscape photographer. Wow. Still shooting everything on film. It's like polar opposite. Yeah, all black and whites. And the fact that it is polar opposite is something that he made a point of at the exhibition was right. that, you know, this is peace. It's There's no destruction or devastation in any of the frames that I'm taking. It's Aww. all nature and, you know, the world as it was supposed to be seen kind of thing. That kind of makes me sad. So really lovely and yeah. for him very therapeutic, which oh my is, God. Which is Completely. awesome. Yeah. But having said all of that, he is an absolute hater of, uh, <laughs> of digital photography. He goes he's, hard, man. We've got oh a... Oh, God, he's, uh, he's not... We've got an article he's, that... He's not into it. <laughs> He has some very strong. Let's just say he has some very strong views on digital. He does have some strong views, and I, and his his main philosophy around digital is that he feels that digital images can't be trusted mm. because obviously there is uh, there are there are many ways to manipulate digital photography. We'll get into a bit bit more of that 
later, but he he calls it a totally lying experience. Wow, that's like strong. And we're not talking lying down here. We're talking lying telling. Like fibs. you are telling fibs. Yeah. So he thinks that photography has been quote hijacked because the digital cameras are extraordinary. Which yes, they are. Agree. Yeah. He says I have a dark room and I still process film, but digital photography can be a totally lying kind of experience. You can move anything you want. The whole thing can't be trusted. Really. <laughs> now that's an extreme view. That's a very extreme view. And like to an extent, I understand what he's saying, but I do really feel like that's a very strong, narrow, it, that's a very narrow. It view. is. And. God love him. Bless him. You know, love him. Great photographer, but the man is 88 years old. Okay. He's so, not, he's and not comes transitioning. From, you know, comes from a different time, let's say. And, yeah. You know, he has he has his views and, and yeah I feel the core of his argument like him saying that things can be very easily manipulated is very true and I said this to you earlier I I empathize and understand his viewpoint a hundred percent but I would not if, if I were him I would not let that preclude me from trying digital photography as far as I'm aware he's never picked up a digital camera in his life right he's just flat out refused mm-hmm. and said, nah, I'm not not doing it. Not, not doing, doing it. it. And that's kind of meh. Yeah, silly, I really. mean, yeah, it is. It's taking a hard line and, you know, you can have your views, but like... like who knows what he could produce with a digital oh camera? Yeah, well... Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, tools of the trade, he probably doesn't need to. But in saying that, if you're going to, like, shit all over digital, at least get your finger on the pie a little bit. <laughs> exactly. Like, learn about it. Yeah. You know. But who else is there who's still doing oh, film? Oh, well, oh, my God, there's heaps of people. One <laughs> of my favourites at the moment who's this, like, really – because, like, okay, look, Donny Boy, he's 88, okay? He's 88. Bless him. Of course, he's still shooting film. But there's this new up-and-coming sort of fashion portrait photographer, mm-hmm. uh, African-American kid over mm-hmm. in the US called Tyler Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Who is Tyler Mitchell? Oh, my God, I'm going to tell you. Looks Check like out his Tyler Instagram. Durden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is Tyler Durden? I'm Tyler Durden. Yeah. No, so he is – is, he's very young. He's like it's tw- like twenty one or twenty two or something oh, like wow. that. But ev- most people will not know his name, but know his work. He just did the American Beyonce Vogue uh, spread, oh. where she's in the backyard with the sheets and the color and the sun. Fantastic. All shot on film. Wow. All shot on medium format film. Nice. Yeah, maybe even a bit of 35 mil in there. And his and it very much uh, is part of his look. Is, right. is the film look. Right, gotcha. And, you know, the and a certain type of film. To me, it looks like he shoots Ekta. I don't know if he's shooting Ekta, but it's very creamy orange highlights. Yep. Can really, he shoots in a lot of very harsh light and film, medium format film in, especially, really uh, can handle highlights a lot better than 35 yeah, mil yeah. digital, yeah. like, you know, DSLR. Yeah. Uh, so really strong light, still got loads of tons of detail, creamy highlights, bright colours, beautiful ground and just like a softness and an air to it that is just like so divine. Like you have to check out his work. It's so good. But he's very young. He's a very young kid and he is just taking film on board 100% wholeheartedly. I think all of his uh, portfolio is 100% film and he's like in his freaking 20s. That's amazing. He wouldn't have even learned on film or anything like that. He would have just been like, oh my God, what is this? And gone exploring. That's cool. Amazing. And you can actually go, I think, on like the Vogue website and there's a bit of like a behind the scenes of the shoot. Do it. You can seem like using his little like you know medium format camera it's great so Sweet. i mean that's freaking vogue america and that's goddamn beyonce yeah and yeah. he's photographing beyonce so if i said to you okay vogue shoot beyonce what you sh- what are you gonna shoot 
I'll be taking my little. <laughs> You'll be taking your digi. Oh. <laughs> and even me, like, you know, I'm a predominantly sh- film shooter. I'd be like, oh, maybe I'll shoot both just yeah, in case. Because I'd be terrified I'd be of shitting of bricks, getting Toby. it wrong. Oh my God, what if, like, the shuttered, like, crapped out on me and I didn't know? Oh, don't even. Ugh. No, but I, I'm pretty. He had, um, like I was saying before, he had a Polaroid back. So he'd chuck the Polaroid back on his medium format or large format camera. He would have had whatever he wanted. Right, he would have had whatever he wanted. <laughs> Man, you shouldn't be on set. You get whatever you want. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you can charge whatever but, you good want. Good on him. Good, good on him. him. And let me tell you, the results are stunning. I bet. And uh, very much uh, the aesthetic of it is is makes him stand out from uh, a lot of other you know yeah. fashion photographers who are shooting in the digital realm. Yeah, they, yeah. It really, the, go and check out the work. It's divine. I wonder if... Um, if film photography will have a resurgence in the same way that vinyl had a resurgence in music? I think it kind of is in a way, but I definitely think there's peaks and troughs. Like you've got Ilford who a couple of weeks ago just released two new films, mm. two new black and white films. Mm. So, And you've also got like Kodak coming out with Kodachrome again. The they're gonna Kodak start re- comeback. The Kodak comeback. You know, they, they're going to uh, gonna start reproducing Kodachrome yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. So there is definitely a resurgence for sure. But how funny as well, do you remember in the early days of Instagram, everyone was putting these old filters on their things to make it look they like... They still are, Toby. What do you <laughs> yeah, mean? Everyone still wants their well, work no, no, to no, look no, like no, Now it's all about soft faces and, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. perfect skin no, no, and, oh, you know, fuck. twinkling yeah. eyes and all oh, the rest God, of it. But it, back yeah. then it was all about, yes, you know, retro. these old... Vintage. Know, yeah, these crazy little overlays yeah. that they put on. And but in saying that, I think that's still very true. I think um, yeah. there's a lot, like there's a huge thing, you know, like in the photography world where people are like selling presets for Lightroom. And I'm yeah. telling you now, all of them are film-based. They yeah. all are meant to look like film. And it's like, just shoot film. And FYI, you can do them all yourself too, so don't buy them. Yeah, like you can literally, like I, and I, because I, because I shoot a lot of film and I shoot a lot of Kodak Portra, I got the, like a brand, I'm not going to say who they are. I got one of theirs and I use it to match, but it's not, it's nothing like the real film. No, of course not. So I made my own. I learned, I learned how to make my own, my own one that looks way more like Kodak Portra. It's actually a really fun exercise to do that, to make your own It's so fun. Oh my God, we should do an episode on that. Oh, good one. It'd have to be like a visual one. Good one. It would be so good. But yeah, like I think a lot of people still really want the look, it's like when people record like through Pro Tools and digitally music yeah. and they put like warm tape sound over it. Yeah, yeah. So many yeah. people do that because yeah. it sounds too, you know, uh, forensic and yeah. medical. You it know? can be overproduced. Overproduced. So yeah. I still think there's like a deep nostalgia and love out there for the film aesthetic, whether people are achieving that through shooting film or not. It's, mate, it's on the boom. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said before, it doesn't matter if you shooting film or you're not shooting film. No, Who yeah. Cares? you got to choose what you need to. Do you know anyone else still shooting film? Aussies. How about Trent Park? Oh, man, like he's all film. So I don't know if people, people out there snapper. who don't know Trent Park, he's, I think he's the only Australian member of the Magnum Foundation. Yes, he is. Photojournalist. Is. I actually met Trent. Oh, my um, God, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Many, many, many years ago at... Um, at the uh, ACP, Australian <gasps> College of Photography in uh, in Sydney, he uh, he had an exhibition, and I and uh, I was doing a course at the time, mm. and he was hanging in the the course was upstairs at the ACP, and he was hanging. Down, oh my downstairs. god, that's so cool! Yeah, it was amazing, and we were we were the whole class went down and had a had a quick peek at what he was up oh, to. Oh, fantastic! He gave us a little spiel, and yeah, yeah it was. 
it was awesome to meet someone that's uh, iconic, I reckon. Are you kidding to, me? To Super us iconic. as photographers anyway. Like, yeah. Incredible and, and, Like he started out in, in newspapers. He was a sport photographer. That's right. He worked for the Herald, I believe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He actually did my he did my Ultimo Tape photography course. Oh, no way. Many years before me. Awesome. And, but his whole thing, he only shoots really black and white film now mostly. He does, yeah. he does a bit of colour yeah. now. But his, and he does sort of long form reportage stories. Yes. He's not sort of, uh, you know, news based anymore. And, I mean, the stories he does are just absolutely divine. Yeah, I beautiful. mean, like Minutes to Midnight is is stunning, and, and all the underwater work that he's that he's done as yeah, well. Incredible. And him stuff. and his wife, uh, Narell. Yeah, they're, yes. they're, she's a photographer as well. They're, they live up in Newcastle, I think. And the work that they produce is so heartfelt and stunning, and I believe could never be replicated digitally. No, I agree. Because a huge part of his aesthetic is 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 Ilford. Film yeah. is a huge part of his aesthetic, yeah. and that's the right tool for his trade. And I guess that is one of the big advantages of of shooting film is that you know film brands do have a look, oh, and that's yeah. something that you just can't you know replicate with with digital filters or otherwise. No, you might get a, a preset pack that says you know Fuji this or Ilford that or Kodak yeah. this, but yeah. really they're just imitations and and not very good ones at, at that. Yeah, and also like everything is super dependent too. Like, you know, if we were shooting the same film stock, mine could come out very different to yours because yeah. of the way I expose it, exactly. the way I develop it in my darkroom, it's a much everything. more it's, sensitive medium. Yeah, and you have yeah. to really kind of like know your shit about what films you're shooting and mm. how you're going to develop it and how you're going to actually shoot it as yeah. well. Yeah. There's a whole science behind it. One uh, photographer who's kind of like just going full out there on the film, like in a way that like some people are just going to be like, what? Got to check him out. It's Ian Ruther. Have you heard of him? No. So he's the guy. So he used to be like big time, like adventure, sport, kind of like snowboarding photographer. Oh, yeah, cool. Full digital, whatever. Just uh, found it to be very, the whole scene and all of that was really not like in tune with his creative spirit. Yeah. He decides to go back to like collodion wet plate photography. Oh, my God. But to an extreme level. So he makes, he made a truck into a camera with a massive fucking lens. What? So amazing. A truck. Yeah, like a and, like an old ice cream truck, <laughs> and the glass plates are like the size of that couch. They're huge. This couch is about two meters wide. They're huge. So They're absolutely gigantic. And so he, you know, they he he figured out how to do it all, the alternative processing, oh and they 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 put the emulsion straight on the glass, and then they 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 take the shot. Like the person's outside the truck, and they are taking the shot inside. Because when you walk into the truck, it's like a camera obscura. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> you know what awesome. a camera obscura is. Like if yeah, you make yeah. a tiny hole, da da. Yeah. And 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 they do it. He develops the film, and so wow. the he needs to use flash because he needs to really the light has to be so bright to actually get it onto the film. Yeah. And they develop it right then and there and they he makes these huge wet plates. It's freaking amazing. That sounds nuts. No one is really doing it like he's doing it. And I wonder he, why. <laughs> yeah. And he's been doing it like for 10 years now and his career's just gone like gangbusters. But like in terms of like he's making art and that's how he makes his living now. Yeah. And it's truly phenomenal and he's done some amazing photographs of Yosemite in, in the United States. Oh, so he's American. got all Ansel Adams on it. Oh, very much. But like to the next to the next level. Yeah, right. And like yeah, he's so day Ansel. 100%. Oh my god, he so is. Yeah. And he makes many different like large scale cameras and, and and that's solely how he photographs. Fantastic. So that's like hardcore. Sounds amazing. Oh, you got to check out his stuff. He's made a f- films called Silver and Light. Just type in Silver and Light 
Ian Ruther, oh, my God, check them out. Absolutely amazing. Because the first, like, when he first started doing it, it was, like, at the height of Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so the first, like, Silver and Light video is, it looks like he's um, uh, uh, Mr. What is it? What is his name? Walter White. Walter White. Like, cooking up freaking meth. Oh, but the, he's doing the chemicals the for RV. the plate. <laughs> yeah, because they had an RV. So he's doing, oh, my God, it's so good. That's awesome. Silver and Light, you got to check it out. It's so That's amazing. Super funny. But then there's, like, one, there's one other photographer who's been around for, oh, my God, so many years, and he he's just amazing he shoots four by five uh large format and he does these his name is is gregory crudson Mm -hmm. and he does these you might not know his name but you would know his work for sure he does these elaborate movie style sets you know like with cherry pickers and smoke machines and lights and like costuming and it's like a million dollar production for a still photo yeah so what you would normally set up to shoot you know, a motion picture. A, a movie, yeah. And he even gets like big name actresses and actors who are sometimes the people, it, it, the subjects of the portraits. And it's for a still. And he'll take like, you know, 10 four by fives and he's like, all right, we're done. It was like a million dollars set. Incredible. And he has a couple of documentaries and some books. I mean, he's just amazing. Again, tool of the trade. That tool works for what he's trying to achieve, especially in that kind of like art world, you know, type thing. There's obviously a certain. Mm, emphasis, greater emphasis yeah. on using traditional practices. Of course, it's, in the a, art it's world. more of a purist um, yeah. version of the of the craft, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. And look, I definitely have been known to kind of think that. Well, if you can't <laughs> shoot film, are you a photographer? I definitely have had that view like a lot in my career because obviously I learned on film and I feel like, you know, I, I don't know, maybe it's a little bit elitist of me. Uh, not really. I, I I mean, I don't shoot film hardly at all, but I it, it annoys me these days that everybody thinks they're a photographer in, yes. in, some, in some way. And sure. also I think the tools of photography, let's, you know, talk about phones and all that sort of stuff are becoming photography is so much more accessible now than it used to be. Yeah. Pretty much everyone has a high-end camera in their pocket these yeah. days, oh my which God, is basically 100%. their phone. You know, yeah. my phone shoots, you know, 12 megapixels, I think, which yeah. is unheard of. Back in the day, you yeah. know, most DSLRs were barely shooting that about ten years ago, mm. and uh, and you know even video wise they're shooting like you know two hundred forty frames per second in four K, and That's I'm crazy. like, what the hell, this thing is like. It's tiny. Size of, yeah, you my know, pocket. It's, it's, it's the size of your hand. It's just yeah. ridiculous. So in that sense, I think, I personally think that the, the skill of photography is not necessarily knowing all the technical ins and outs of how to take a photograph. A lot of the skill is seeing it before you've taken it. Yeah. And understanding, you know, your framing and the composition and all that sort of stuff. I think that's a massive part of the craft of photography. Sure. I have the utmost respect for people like yourself that know all of the technical, you know, stuff behind it as well. And I wish I knew more and I've certainly made the effort to educate myself in that regard and try to understand, you know, how to properly take a photograph, even though I'm taking it on a digital camera, I'm still very much aware of, you know, exposures and apertures and shutter speeds and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The basic stuff that you need to know to, to create a good image. I think it's very important that you do know that. So I wouldn't say it's elitist. I think... I get what you're saying, but it's kind of like, you know, there's 
like as we said, there's pros and cons of, of, of either. Yeah, or. I think 100%. as long as you know what the kind of the process is and understand that process properly, then you're yeah, then you're and going I think it, and you will become a better photographer for, and I, for knowing. And that. I definitely think it comes back to that saying that you told me: all the gear and no idea. Yeah. You can know anything, everything technical there is to know about photography, and big but crap. The, and, and exactly. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the other day, the if, you don't, if you don't know how to compose a shot. Yeah. Forget it. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. Yeah. And I said this, I was I was uh, lecturing at a photographic society a couple of weeks ago and I said, the best camera you have is the one you got on you. That's right. Exactly. And if the one you got on you is your phone, that's the best camera you got. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's absolutely true. So yeah, it all depends on, on what you're doing and what you're shooting and what's going to work for that moment. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to bring my film camera to a, an event and no. shoot a, an a, event photography for a client with my film camera, but I might photograph portraits on film or I might go out and do It depends a on, your turn, on your turnaround time as well. Like totally. if you need to turn this stuff around by, you know, 12 yeah. hours later, yeah. of course you're not going to do it on film. Yeah. It's not possible. No, it's not. <laughs> but I definitely recommend that like a lot of people like out there, if they're just solely shooting digital, honestly, like just as an experiment and some super fun, yeah. go down to like the thrift store or the secondhand store. I do it myself. And get like a shitty little $5 camera. It doesn't matter if you don't have any control over it. And just go out and shoot because there's something to be said and it's not necessarily about the fact that it's film. It's the fact that you're not getting that instant dopamine hit of seeing yeah. what you shot. Yeah. And so you're going to be a little bit more in tune with your intuition and your eye. Yeah. So even if you, you don't, you know, fancy taking, you know, film photography seriously, just go out. Trust me, do it. It's, it's going to make it. you a better photographer. And it helps you to cherish every frame as yes. well. That's and the main thing. I did this thing with, with a group that I was teaching where I set them this, this – I said, okay, you can only shoot – uh, 12 shots. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got to bring them in and you got to show, you got to have the file name underneath. <laughs> so you can't fucking it. delete, like, because yeah, I'll yeah, know yeah. if you deleted it. And that's all you're allowed to take is 12 shots. And we're going to see what you got. And let me tell you, like, everyone was like, oh my God, I really had to think it's about it so yeah. much more. And a lot of those shots were basically like the same freaking shot five times. <laughs> and I'd be like, and I critique, I would critique them. I'd be like, well, look, why'd you take this five times? You only had 12 shots. You wasted four of them because you literally took the same photo yeah. five fucking times yeah. because it's that mentality of of that yeah. and then do, do we become snapshotters or do we become photographers yeah exactly and so no matter what medium you're shooting which it pro- truly doesn't matter it matters to you but it doesn't really matter in the broad scheme of things no of course not slow down take your time breathe it in yeah. save those shots yeah. be you know be more you know concise yeah. don't just bang off 50 shots and hope that pray that one's okay <laughs> exactly check out some of those photographers. Yeah, do. We'll put We're the links put up them in for the show notes because there's so many other good ones like Ollie Sampson. He's great. He's doing like big Polaroid photos in Berlin. We're going to chuck up like so many cool people you can check out. You know what, what I'll also allow to be chucked I'll send you one of my Iceland film shots and you can chuck that oh up there God, as well. Yes. <clears throat> put on the Insta. Yeah. Anyway. All right. See ya. See you next time. Bye. Click Click Bang Bang, a photography podcast is produced by Meredith Schofield and Toby Farage. Hey, that's us. <laughs> it is us. And I also do the editing. And Mez, you look after the engineering side of things, I guess. Yeah, like sort of, yeah. <laughs> sort of, kind of, sort of. Yeah. And uh, there's a bunch of other people that have kind of helped us to get this thing up and away. Indeed. Like our amazing branding was designed by dingdingding.co, a.k.a. your better half, Tobes. Definitely my better half. And the fabulous 
music you're hearing in the background. Let's just have a little bit more of a listen there. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Composed by our good friend Simon Filiuzzi, a legend. So good. How good is that music, Tobe? So good. So, so good. So good. And look, remember, you can subscribe to this podcast everywhere. Yep. Send us your comments and ideas for the show. And please don't forget to rate us. It really helps others discover us. You can check us on the socials at CCBB Podcast. We'll see you soon. See ya. 